I'm Show Ali from Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto, and you're listening to Red, White, and Blue Jays. Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Red, White, and Blue Jays. Great to catch up with you again. And I'm very excited this afternoon that I have managed to track down Shoab Ali from Sportsnet 590 The Fan. So how are you? Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. It's a lot of fun. Great. Uh, is this your first dip into anything into the UK? I don't know whether you've got any connections hmm. out this way at all. I do. I guess from a media perspective, definitely. Um, but uh, I do have a, I do have some family that live in Liverpool. So that's my that's my only connection to uh, to the UK. Okay. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been here at all? I have not. No, I think the I, I think I've always wanted to come. I've, I've never been to I don't I actually have only been to Europe, I think, maybe once when i was in high school we went on a trip to paris and that's about it nice very <laughs> nice well liverpool's great city uh great football team um, yes, so, so yeah 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 so uh and of course doing very well this this season in particular uh do, do you what do you follow well soccer i guess you guys call it but uh do you follow it at all I admit, uh, so I guess in my job at the fan, I we do kind of carry on and, and and follow basically as many sports as humanly possible. And that includes like golf and tennis and F1 and and so on and so forth. Even when the pandemic started, it was a lot of following the KBO for the beginning of the pandemic, right? Sure. But the Bundesliga, I think, came back pretty early on. But uh, I, I admit, no, for football slash soccer, I uh, I follow people who have the same last name as me. So I think the closest I've ever gotten is uh, Dele Alley, who I'm yep. told is uh, used to play for the Spurs and is no longer with them. So that's as close as I'll come. <laughs> OK, that's all right. Well, at least, at least you've got some knowledge there. I remember when I was chatting with Jeff Barker because he he loves his, uh, his oh, yeah. soccer uh, and a lot of really, really good knowledge. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hope I don't you know make a fool of myself but um... i once i actually once joined a premier league fantasy like a fantasy soccer fantasy football league with blair and with barker and barker i think actually came in pretty uh pretty high close to the top and blair's old producer his name is travis travis yeah. is like one of the he's one of the most knowledgeable people i've ever met here about about soccer slash football and uh yeah so that was fun but uh, as you might uh -huh. imagine steve i did not come in very highly in that <laughs> There's always a place to learn, uh, yes. even even Kevin Barker. So I actually live in a place called Bournemouth, which is on the south coast. And uh, Bournemouth have just been promoted back up into the Premier League. And so, uh, yeah, Kevin Barker was uh, exposed to a little bit of uh, Bournemouth knowledge when he came nice. on, which, of course, went down like a lead balloon. But <laughs> he did brilliantly. Yeah, and it was, it was good fun chatting, chatting with him. So show just for the benefit of uh, guys listening in, just give us a little bit of a backdrop to you then in terms of how you came to be doing what you're doing. What, what's your, what's your sort of storyline, if you like, into media and sports and all that sort of stuff. Just give us a sure, yeah. bit, of, bit of a flavor. So let's see, I, I've been working at, at Sportsnet for the last six and a half years or so. And I, I think I was an intern at the fan 
when Edwin Encarnacion walked off the Orioles in the wild card game. Uh, and I oh, remember wow. we were there. That was my first, I, that was my first night, I think sitting in the Sportsnet newsroom. And of course that was well before the pandemic. So there was, it was packed full of people. And I kind of thought, wow, this is what it's like every night. This is fantastic. But uh, no, that was, I mean, Hey, that's, it was fun being there for that uh, pretty high, high, but actually before I worked in media, I used to work in corporate security uh, risk management and internal audit for one of the major Canadian banks. And I, I worked in there for, for a number of years after I graduated from university. And I went to university here in the city of Toronto. And I, I don't know, it was a fun job, but I just, it, it wasn't super exciting. You know what I mean? So I ended up, I quit my job, I went back to school. And the first internship I got out of school, I guess my second stint in school was uh, at Sportsnet. And when you, when you do the internships at Sportsnet, you have a bunch of little buckets you can go into. There's like the digital web team, there is television, you can work on being cutting highlights and so on, or you can work in radio. And at the time, not a lot of people wanted to work in radio. So I, uh, I, I thought it would, you know, I, I thought it something I had been interested in a long time. I've listened to Sportsnet 590, the fan or the fan 590 for years when I was growing up here. So I thought that'd be kind of cool to work for a legacy sports station. And yeah, a couple of years later, I think my first hosting gig was the night the Toronto Maple Leafs made a particularly large trade. They acquired a, a defenseman and I just happened to be my first hosting gig and the bosses liked it. So uh, here I am. <laughs> that's it, mate. So did you have any interest in radio broadcasting at all? You know, as you're going up through high school, did you have like a school radio station at all that you dipped into? I mean, what actually got the wheels moving in terms of I'd actually like to have a go at this I think so when I was in university I so I went to the University of Toronto which is here in downtown Toronto and or at least one of the campuses are and they have a radio station called CIUT FM and I was one of the radio hosts for like this has been like 2010 or 2009 or something like that but uh, I was a program called Beyond the Classroom where you'd interview I guess, like student leaders and I don't know, people on campus and so on, students about what's going on, athletes, et cetera. So that it was kind of like that combined, combined with writing for the varsity, which is the U of T's new student newspaper. So that kind of led, that was like always my interest in broadcasting slash, I guess, sports journalism specifically uh, over any, any usual journalism. I went to school and then when I was actually in school, one of my instructors was shy. Um, so shy, that's how I <laughs> met shy. And so shy kind of, He's like, hey, show like if you're interested in, in sports broadcasting, TV, you know, you might be good on TV or you might really enjoy radio. So I, I picked the radio route. That's that. What a, what a story. Because, uh, yeah, he told me a little bit about um, uh, the work that he was doing in terms of putting people through into into the industry. Uh, right. as, as, and uh, it's amazing. I had no idea that you were one of his uh, his former pupils. So in terms of in terms of the sports love, are, are you are you leaning towards one particular sport which you think that's my sport or are you a good sort of general all-round knowledge type of guy I, I would definitely say baseball is number one um but i i definitely can't i can't say that i, I don't like hockey or basketball or i mean it'd be i feel like it's kind of hard to not like hockey in canada and specifically mm. as someone who grew up and was born in <laughs> in toronto i feel like as much as i would like to not cheer for the leafs um i don't think i can help it at this point in, in my life so i think i'm stuck until i die unfortunately but uh same goes for the raptors same goes for the blue jays and there's there you know there's not a lot of built-in fan bases for i would say like american football here or uh, I guess for golf and tennis, you just tend to cheer for Canadians, but 
uh, generally speaking, uh, yeah, working at the fan, I think has broadened my interest into other sports. I mentioned F1 before and so on, yeah. but yeah, I think a lot of the four major North American sports are, you know, I consider myself, you know, decently knowledgeable in all of them, but if I had to pick my favorite, it's probably baseball. Okay. So did, yeah. were you Toronto born and bred as well, or, or did, have you moved into the city? So I, I was born in the suburbs, but I, when I moved down here for, and this was like in 2008, when I went to university, I, I, I moved downtown and I've lived here ever since. I don't okay. live, I actually don't live that far from the Rogers Center itself. I, like, I could probably walk there in about 10 minutes, which is kind of nice, oh, nice because uh, every now and again, like last week, for example, when we get to do the uh, in-game stuff from the stadium, it's not a very far walk. I feel bad for like Blair and Barker who don't live are very far, don't live very close by, or like Ben Wagner. Actually, Ben does live pretty close, I think, but he's he and I are probably the only ones. Everyone else, including okay. Tom Young, who's our, our engineer, yeah, uh, Tom does not live close by, so I feel bad for them when they have to take the bus at home. But uh, I, I get to walk, which is nice. Uh, yeah, no, no, very nice. Um, I have a good friend, Elizabeth Hart, who works at um, yes, uh, does your imaging. Uh, producing yeah she's she's great she helps us we do a, a live show uh where we just review the games once a week and she she's part of that team with us and uh yeah she she uh, she doesn't live too far away i think over high parkway and so uh right uh, again is uh close to close to the stadium which makes life i'm sure a lot lot easier it does <laughs> uh so in terms of because uh, i think did i see that you covered a bit of um nfl for Sportsnet as well you sort of is that uh one of the main sports that you also dip into or are you just mainly in baseball now yeah so i think one of the things i do for the sportsnet digital team for the website is uh, i write some fantasy football articles like start sits type stuff so that's kind of like the fantasy slash gambling stuff as you know is constantly growing and i i think for the nfl in particular drives a lot of a lot of viewers and engagement towards that so they've never really had a dedicated uh i guess weekly article during the nfl season so they asked me to do that last year and i'll probably be doing it again this year one of the things i do do in addition to baseball is me and one and a pal of mine uh, andy mcnamara we co-host the fantasy show which is a, a weekly uh two-hour show about any fantasy sport but of course as you might imagine especially in, in north america the <laughs> and the nfl is pretty popular so um we that typically drives most of the stuff so yeah i think uh come i guess I guess it'll be August. Uh, we'll probably dive back into fantasy uh, football stats, but uh, that's kind of where the bulk of my writing for the .ca team resides. Yeah, very good. And there is one other area of life that I know that you're interested in, uh, and that would be movies. Uh, right. <laughs> you got you got a you got a little movie podcast going as well. Um, so what what's is that just a personal interest thing? Oh yeah, that's just a hobby. Yeah, I think when I actually when I first started working at the fan. Um, and I became when I was hired, I should say, uh, we used to have these old studios because the building, the building itself is split in two. There's like a one side of the building is on this road from Mount, Mount Pleasant and the other side of the building is on the main street on Bloor. And there's a bridge that connects them. And Rogers, I guess, renovated the ha one half of the building. And so we used to have studios next to like our news affiliates and our music stations on the other side of the building. And when, when it was being renovated, they, uh, we could still use the studios, but no one wanted to use them because they were like, you to, I get to go all, you know, through the, all these red flag, red tapes stuff to get there kind of thing. So uh, I, I used to go there at like 3am just to record my movie podcast, just to talk about, I don't know, silly stuff about movies and so on. Yeah, so yeah. I still do it every now and again, but uh, the Jays have been keeping me pretty busy. So <laughs> I, I'll only, I, I only gotten back in the studio maybe like once or twice this year, but still it's, yeah, it's just a fun side hobby. 
Yeah, no, it's good to do that sort of stuff, isn't it? It just uh, takes you out of the, and again, particularly in terms of baseball, the grind of the day to day. Oh yeah, yeah, and particularly this season where everything's all very much condensed and and you know very little in terms of days off, and you know we often think about the players and the staff at, at the club, but of course all of you guys, you are also having to do day after day after day after day. I mean, how how is that in terms of just balancing life in general when you're when you're involved on a daily basis i guess it's not it's not too bad because i um i generally speaking am a night owl so i usually go to bed pretty late already and i've always okay. been like that so even even dating back to when i was in high school so it's not a for me it was an easy adjustment i the person i feel bad for is my wife she um is the kind of person who who go, wakes up at like 7 a.m and goes to bed at 11 p.m and so often it's like uh two ships passing in the night so i think sure. I, I get the sense that once the uh, baseball season is over she'll be pretty happy <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think I think it is a tale of two cities, isn't it? In terms of in season and out of season, they, they yeah. look c- completely different. And, and I guess with guys being out in the West Coast at the moment, that probably suits you quite nicely, doesn't it? In terms of late nights. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, last night, for example, after the the six three opening win, right? We uh, I think I got home at maybe three a.m., which is sounds late, but I mean, I, I was I went had I had a late dinner and then I, <laughs> I wound down and got into bed and here I am. This is the first this is the first thing I'm doing today. It's great. <laughs> that's all right. So what what is it now? Is it just gone one o'clock in in Toronto? So that's that's yeah, not a bad start, is it? <laughs> and that, of course, you get a little feel for what it's like for us on a normal evening game. Uh, so it normally starts around midnight here uh, for an evening game in Toronto. Uh, so we go three <laughs> three to three o'clock in the okay. morning. Yeah. On a fairly regular basis, love the day games. Weekends are always things to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, week, weekdays it's hard to to keep up with all the live stuff, you know, with with everything else going on. Yeah, That's brilliant. Just tell me, what's it been like uh, walking, uh, not walking, working alongside uh, the likes of Ben Wagner and Ben Nicholson Smith? I know you guys, you've been doing a little bit of the radio uh, stuff as well. How much does that? Uh, you know, in terms of enjoyment, that must be great fun. Oh yeah. Ben is fantastic. Or uh, you asked me about two Ben's, both Ben's are fantastic. And uh, I've, I got a chance to work with Ben Wagner um, since he was hired. Cause one of, I guess one of the first things I ever did for the Jays broadcast, I think I worked, I started working on the Jays broadcast back in 20, 26 at the tail end of 2016 as an intern. And then I full more full-time in 2017 as a producer. So producing a lot of games, cutting clips, making sure the broadcast is just going to air. Okay. So I've gotten to work with Jerry a little bit. I've gotten to work with um, certainly Mike Wilner a little bit. Um, yep. And, uh, and now Ben and Ben, Ben is a lot of fun to work with. I, um, you know, I, I know he wants to be traveling a little more, but at the same time, I'm selfishly, I'm happy. I get to sit next to him because he is, he is, dare I say, as plugged in as any insider you might see. Like I know you were, we were talking about Shy earlier. Shy yeah. is obviously an, an insider. I would say Blair's an insider as well because he has connections to the front office and other yep. teams through his many years of covering baseball. But Ben is uh, so plugged in. He can get you any information you want on any prospects or any stadium developments. He like the stuff he has, he has told me just sitting next to him off the air when the, when the mics are off is, is pretty yeah. cool. So I, uh, I, he, and he's just a fantastic person as well. So uh, Ben is uh, is a lot of fun to work with. And then Ben Nicholson Smith and Arden who I've gotten to work with as well, Arden Zwelling, they both host the at the letters podcast. And yeah. uh, the two of them are some of the nicest guys. Like they're always so generous with their time and obviously incredibly knowledgeable as well. Um, yeah. Arden, I think uh, has uh, the 
what's, what's the right word? Like the acerbic wit, I think. And Ben is like the calming <laughs> presence, which I think works yeah. well for them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can see that. We're having listened to them a lot over the over the years. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, in terms of the Sportsnet team, I mean, just just an amazing collection of, of guys and girls, uh, you know, right, you know, right through in terms of Hazel on the on the on the on the side walks of the uh, of the game uh, right through to the broadcast crew and stuff but, you know i just uh, hats off to all of you because it, it's a it's a brilliant listen to and a brilliant watch and uh, particularly for people like us who are seldom able to get to a live game apart from when we, we can travel over um but most of our experience of watching the jays is of course listening online and 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 for the radio broadcast and i said this to ben wagner when i had him on uh you know a lot of the games i will listen to late into the night actually would be on the radio rather than um you know i'll be lying in bed with me headphones in and uh, be listening to the radio broadcast and uh yeah so it's really important media to keep going and i, and I was so pleased to hear when the radio broadcast came back after that sort of shared oh, yeah. moment with the, the tv broadcast and as, as well as the guys did on the tv to make it accessible on the radio it, it's it's nice to have a dedicated radio team so um yeah it's great Great listening into you. How, how do you enjoy doing the Blue Days talk? I, I know obviously Blair and Barker are doing the vast majority of that, but you're dipping into that world. And how, how much fun is that? Just sort of taking fans' calls and sort of having to think on the, <laughs> just seat at the edge of your seat in terms of answers and bits and pieces. What's what's that like? You never really know what someone's going to say. Like you know what I mean. Like sometimes like when we screen calls, to they'll say, "Hey, I want to talk about this, this, and this." And then they go on the air and sometimes they might say something completely different, which is, uh, <laughs> is always pretty fun. Um, so that's why Tom always has his finger on the delay button. And just in case, just in case there's some uh, inadvertent cussing. But uh, I will say, okay. I think uh, I, I think the team is, is has so much fun and like the actual baseball team. And there's so many personalities on it. And all, there's always something happening in the dugout. So I think there's never any shortage of anything to talk about for callers. Like when the team is bad, obviously, or when they're struggling, maybe is a better way of saying it. There's always something that someone wants to suggest. And when the team is good, there's always, you know, you're kind of, you talk about trade targets or you talk about, uh, and that's where the knowledge of other teams comes in handy, maybe a little bit, mm. but uh, yeah, I mean, look, Blair and Barker do such a great job when they do the, the bulk of the show, but uh, it is kind of fun dipping your toe into it a little every now and again. I do it with, it's funny. I've, I've now hosted the show with Blake, Ben, uh, Nicholson Smith, Ben Ennis, and I think a couple others as well over the course of this season alone. So I, uh, it's a kind of a fun cast to be doing it with because we have a lot of talented people here at, uh, at Sportsnet and elsewhere. So yeah, it is it is definitely fun. I think um, I'm looking forward to doing it more. I we we've given Blair and Barker the Angels series off because uh, they have to get up super early the next day. So sure. they they let they let me stick in the studio until three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> lucky old you but if you got we yes you enjoy your late night so that's okay so that's not 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 too bad a shape you're listening to red white and blue jays the podcast of blue jays fans uk okay well let's um this is have a little bit of chat about the jays then uh when i first asked you whether you'd come on the scene was slightly downbeat uh if we're absolutely honest it, i mean they started well we had we had a you know a few series wins at the beginning of the season through April, and just through May they just I don't know they were just struggling all over the place, particularly obviously with the offense. I think that's the that's the thing that everybody's talking about. What what's your take on what's happening 
particularly in terms of when we compare it to what was happening at the end of last season and everybody was coming into 2022 saying, you know, this is one of the best offenses in the, in the league. And just, it's not just one or two guys seem to be struggling getting bats on ball. It's right across the, the whole batting lineup. What, what, what do you feel's going on there? Or is it just one of those things? Yeah. I mean, I know, I know Montoya speak it, spoken at length about how he feels. It's just, everyone struggling at the same time. And I guess there is some degree of truth to that. Right. But boy, I mean, to start the year and th- this is right through to the Shohei Otani game to start the, the series against the angels, they have seen so much nasty velo to start the year. More, I, I dare say, I'm pretty sure more than any team in major league baseball in terms of guys who are actually capable of throwing in the, high 90s low 100s and i mean look we saw jordan hicks the other day that guy was topping out at what on 101 102 uh certainly miles michaelis was doing that as well we've seen a whole bunch of other guys do that too and and maybe it's the high velo combined with maybe less patience at the plate it certainly feels like i mean for bo bichette and vladdy for example uh not taking as many pitches or swinging i mean we all know bo is super aggressive for example right so even when he was even when he was called up he was hacking at the first pitch no matter what it felt like and it, more often than not it worked out for him but now that it, you know, the, the book is a little a little more uh full let's say on bo bichette and vladimir guerrero jr maybe they they needed to relax a little bit but the, the interesting thing is and, and barker talked about this when, and I, I love his insight on these kinds of things, because, of course, between he and I and, and Blair and Shy, he's the only one who actually played <laughs> in the major leagues. And he talks about the how hitting is contagious and how, you know, even getting your first plate appearance, you get get to ba- get on base and it, it makes you feel a little calmer. You saw that in the first the second game, I should say, against the St. Louis Cardinals. When Vladdy, I think on his first swing or his second swing of that at bat, he barrels one into left field. And then his next at bat, I think, was a home run. And yesterday, the same thing, too, right? You saw Springer immediately hit a home run and it seemed to relax everyone a little bit at the plate. And it's certainly you're not going to hit every guy at every time you go up for an AB. But I, I wonder if, 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 if this it may not be the offense explosion we all kind of hope for at the beginning of the season because there's still a, a ways to go when you want to catch up to the Yankees. But, I mean, they've they've actually, funnily enough, closed the gap on the Rays. I think after last night's game, they're only two games back of the Rays for second place in the East. So, look, I, I think there's a lot of baseball left to be played. It's a six-month season. We're at the end of May, so I guess that would be end of two months, give or take, right? So, I think we're, we're in a good spot now to hope that the Jays turn things around. But... Um, hey, if the starting pitching can keep doing what it's doing and the bullpen can at least stay where it has been, because, I mean, there have been some blow up games from basically everyone, but that's going to that's expected over a long season. I think we're we're going to be pleasantly surprised about where the Jays are come maybe, let's say, August or September. Yeah, I think I think we've just passed the quarter mark in terms right. of the season length. So and I think. I think probably what we're all doing is is comparing it to our aspirations at the beginning of the season, thinking this is just going to be a hundred game season. And, you know, that those sort of stats were being kicked around, which probably wasn't very realistic compared, you know, considering that we're in the AL East. But nonetheless, there was a lot of high velocity excitement going around this team. And I think we're now comparing that position with what we've seen and and it's it's fallen short. I mean, with, with Vladdy, I think was 
Do you think Phil yesterday might have been a little bit of a turning point for him? Does it make any difference that he was against Sherry that he got his homer? Does those sort of things are, are they they relevant for a baseball player? Or is it do you know what I just need to get bat and ball, get get the ball out of the park? Does does that really matter? I feel like with Laddie specifically, a lot of these guys, they you know, their confidence is so much a part of their game, right? I mean, in that, that you can probably say it about any professional athlete in any sport. And whenever Vladdy is slumping, it certainly seems like his launch angle certainly becomes uh, parallel to the ground or <laughs> very, very yeah. close to it. It certainly seems like it, right? Hitting balls right into the dirt, ground balls. And I know people had an issue, I guess, going back a couple of days ago. I guess it was the first game against the St. Louis Cardinals when the, the pitcher Palante, he walked the first two uh, batters with the bases loaded. The Blue Jays went up 3-1, and then Vladdy comes up with the bases loaded, and he immediately, the first pitch, he swings, and it's a ground ball, and the inning is over. And I feel like you did see a much a slower approach from him. He took a couple of balls. He was more patient in the second game against the Cardinals. And then again last night, and like you mentioned, the whole battle with Shohei Otani, I, I, I'm not even sure. I, I could be wrong. I, I feel like it's been a very long time since, uh, I mean, probably because not many pitchers are AL MVPs, but yeah. how, 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 how often do you see uh, an AL MVP runner up hit a home run off the AL unanimous AL MVP winner? Probably never. I, I would imagine. Right. So yeah, uh, I, I, th- I think you're probably right, Steve. I think there is something to be said for the guy. Vladdy gets a home run off for a second straight game is Otani. Cause again, look, you looked at, at the rest of the expected pitchers for the Angels series, Lorenzen, um, yeah. Sandoval, I think later tonight is Silseth, right? So they're, those guys aren't slouches by any means, but they're not Shohei Otani, right? So if, if sure. you can take advantage of Otani, even if he's not a 100% locked in, you, that has got to do wonders for your confidence. And I, I imagine not just for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but for the rest of the team. I actually now, because we didn't see Teoscar Hernandez in the lineup last night, mm. I do kind of wonder if we see him in the lineup later tonight or at least later on this Angel series, because look, the guy's a back-to-back silver slugger. You don't bench a guy like that because of splits against righties and lefties. He's the guy you keep in there at all times. So I would imagine it's just a mental thing for him, but I am looking, he's kind of the next guy now that Bo has kind of positively regressed. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looks like he's starting to get there as well. Hey, I mean, Oscar can get back to that form as well. Then I think you're, you're cooking with some gas here, I think. Well, totally. I think, you know, with Springer also doing well at the, the top of the order. I think the, the obviously the player that, that, again, has caught everybody's attention this season and, and did last year, but probably not to the degree that he has, is, is um, Santiago Espinal, who certainly with the bat is, well, and, and defensively, has, is performing probably above the level that we anticipated he would do. Okay. Uh, and I think, you know, at the beginning of the, the year, obviously his role with Biggio and you know was that going to be a sort of platoon situation and, and clearly he's just pushed on and while well, Kevin's obviously struggled how, how do you feel about him being in the number two spot is that is that a good thing for him that he's been promoted to that position uh, or is it just that's what's happening at the moment and we will see him drop back to a more normal uh, position in the lineup what, what, what difference would that make to a player being pushed forward into into that two spot so Espinal is actually one of the few players I've had a chance to chat with this year. And he is, I got to say, Steve, one of the most 
one of the humblest guys I have of any athlete I've ever interviewed. Right. I, I've, I've been pretty lucky in my career. I talked to a bunch of different athletes from the Leafs, from the Raptors, other teams, the Olympic teams, for example. Um, I, I got to chat with Carlos Delgado, which was a particular highlight of mine as one of my favorite players when I was younger. But uh, Espinal, I think, honestly, ranks, if not at the top, very close to the top in terms of how humble he is. So if you ask him, hey, are you going to bat second all year if they move you down to sixth or seventh or what have you, if, if it, if it calls for it, will that be an issue? And he has never once said boo, right? Like he is completely fine with that. And so I, I would, I would imagine uh, that's not going to cause any issues, right? I don't really think if the sense I get from, from just observing some of these players is I don't really get a sense that there's a lot of ego on this team, right? Like, I don't really get the sense that like if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes to you and says, Hey, look, coach, I want to bat second. I don't want to bat third then I think that the difference is negligible enough that you can go on and go on ahead and say, okay, Vladdy, do what you want, bat second instead of third or whatever. Or if Bo says that you say, okay, you can do that if you want to. But I think with the team struggling and everyone struggling at the same time for, for about a, a number of fellas, like the whole season until the last week or so uh, you, I think you try what you need to. And I think I, I dare say Espinal being in the two spot kind of reminds me of Simeon being that high last season. And it's funny because a lot of people have brought up, Hey, maybe this offense needed Simeon after all. And like, I, I don't know if anyone's looked to see what he has been doing with the Texas Rangers. yesterday. Yeah. Oh boy. It, oh, it's not, not pretty. pretty. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not good. I, I dare say he might never recapture what we saw last year, um, yeah. which is unfortunate because I actually really like Simeon, right? I think he's a great sure. leader and I thought he was a great influence on this clubhouse too. It was really cool to see him get the award uh, with Vladdy and Teoscar at the beginning of the season at the home opener when the Rangers were in town, but, uh, but generally speaking, I think Espinal being in that two spot for now, I think does help Vladdy and Bo in three and four. But I wouldn't be shocked if after too long we see Espinal move back down to maybe fifth and then you get Chapman. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other question really is, and, and this has only come about in the last couple of games, is how high does Danny Jansen bat now? In the order, uh, sure. Right? Because I think that's something we got to talk about now because, I mean, he's what hit now, what, three home runs in two games, probably an unsustainable pace for home runs. But at the same time, he definitely looked like if you came to me yesterday and you said after the ball game and you said, Danny Jansen is one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball, I would have a hard time yeah. altogether disputing that uh, because he has been absolutely phenomenal since coming off the injured list. And heck, he, he almost had two home runs yesterday. One of the, the first booming fly out in the fourth inning would have been yeah. a home run in like 18 ballparks. So I, hey, I think Danny Jansen's presence and batting being hot again, I think will also affect where Espinal goes too. Yeah. And, and Matt Chapman, in terms of uh, his offense, is not quite Oof, yeah. really clicking, but then he, he wasn't bought for, for his offense. He was bought for his defense. Uh, and, and while he's had a couple of moments that probably he won't be very proud of, generally his of, of, uh, defense has been brilliant. How do you help somebody? Because he's going to be in the lineup, isn't he? Is it a case, again, you just have to keep working, keep looking at the technique and, and encouraging somebody who's not performing in that area? I think so, too. Yeah, I think the solution for him might just be he's going to have to keep batting in the bottom third of the order until they figure it out. But I, I will say for Chapman, I think he has maybe the worst luck when it comes to the fly balls, at the very least, like certainly he's hit a number on the ground or a couple of bloops right into just past second base bag that have gone past there. And he's gotten on base that way, but there have been a number of hits. And even in the, even if you want to limit the sample size to the last two weeks, 
and not the whole season. Cause like you said, he was, he was brought here for his defense. Uh, we knew when he was, when the trade was made that he strikes out a lot, right? We, mm. we knew that already. And I, I, it, unfortunately the strikeout rate, I think has gotten a little worse this year, but uh, at the same time, the booming hits, into the gloves of outfielders with their backs against the outfield wall this year, I dare say have been more than almost anyone else in the team. And now I, I don't know if that's just maybe the it's bad luck with the ballpark configurations. Like I know there was a particularly egregious example where I think it was a game at Yankee stadium where Giancarlo Stanton hit a ball, like a three run Jack into the short porch and right field. And I think it was the, maybe the very next inning that Chapman hit, what looked like a 410 foot bomb into the glove of an outfielder in left field. So I it's, there's some luck in that, that involved as well. And then I also wonder with someone like Chapman hits a lot of fly balls. I wonder how much the whole dead baseball thing comes into it a little bit too. I mean, yeah. even last night we saw there's probably Vladdy probably could have gotten another home run last night. And even for the angels, right? I mean, mm. Anthony Rendon was this close to hitting another home run. Uh, and so was Juan Lagares. I mean, that game could have looked a lot different if Angel Stadium didn't hold those balls in. And that's the case for a lot of a lot of teams this year, not just the Blue Jays. So I do kind of wonder if maybe, I mean, what, we're at the end of May here. So I kind of yeah. wonder if we get into maybe June, July, it becomes a little more human across North America. Just generally speaking, the roof at Rogers Center is open more frequently. I wonder yeah. if we might see that change, although I don't know if you really want to bank on <laughs> humidity and weather as a reason for someone struggling yeah. also. Um- I mean, because they, they're talking about when they do the batting practice with the balls from the previous season, that they're seeing it going out consistently. And, and oh, look, and- Steve, I've I've sat at Rogers Center a couple of times in the radio booth uh, when, and you get to watch. I got there a couple hours before you watch batting practice from the field level and in the booth, and you'll see guys and Chapman more than almost anyone else, Bobichet too. But what they do on the video board is they have. Um, like they get rid of all the graphics and the and they have the music playing but on the instead of the graphics on the video board they have like a, as soon as someone the ball leaves the bat you see the exit velo and you see the expected distance for the ball and i swear there was a period of time over the last couple of weeks where chapman using that basket of balls hit nothing but home runs to dead center field right off the scoreboard. Like he did it like five straight balls. And then he'd take a break. Bo would go in there, do the same thing. Chapman would go back in, do the Like I, the power is clearly there. So I just, I do question how much this whole baseball thing is legitimately affecting someone like him. And maybe when the dome is closed, that doesn't help as well, but sure. I, uh, it's, it, the power is clearly there. It's not, I don't think he's, he's fallen off on that regard at least. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the what's the answer for the catching position? Because we have a plethora of great candidates. Uh, obviously, since Danny, as you mentioned, coming back off the IL has performed extraordinarily well. You've got Kirk, who generally is good bat and ball, perhaps not so good defensively. Uh, Zach Collins actually played well when, when he was called upon. Uh, and then we've got Gabriel Marino, who's in the wings, doing what he's doing what how did the jays unpack that one (laughs) i i would love to see much like we saw last year remember we kind of had this conversation to a lesser degree last year especially when kirk came up and raked right away and i think the conversation then instead of being zach collins it revolved around reese mcguire and i guess riley adams to a lesser degree and wouldn't we all like riley adams back instead of having traded him for brad hand last year I, i dare i say most blue jays fans would like a mulligan on that one but I think when it comes to this year, I would genuinely like to see some kind of depth move be made. Like, I know we talk so much about a left-handed bat, 
Um, but at the same time, is it worth trading? I mean, I don't want to see them trade Danny Jansen. I want to see Danny Jansen sure. remain a Blue Jay for as long as humanly possible. So that I think for me, at least that's off the table. I think Alejandro Kirk is an interesting one because I think uh, good old Captain Kirk, I love watching him play. I think he has struggled defensively. I think he has improved a lot this year. I will say year over year um, with the pitch framing and the the blocking at, at the plate and throwing guys out at second. He has been more successful this year. So I think generally speaking, I've liked what I've seen from Kirk this year. Mm. Having said that, if Gabriel Moreno is waiting in the wings, now that Adley Rutschman for the Orioles has been called up, I believe Moreno is at worst the number three or four overall prospect who has yet to be called up from, from the minors. I think Kirk might make it difficult for Moreno to be called up this year because, you know, I, I, will be, I guess we could see them carry three catchers. We've seen that before. But at the same time, I wonder if it might not be worth exploring a trade for Kirk. If you truly believe Moreno is going to be the catcher of the future, even over Danny Jansen, then yeah. you might as well see what you can get. Although I will say, I don't think Ross Atkins is going to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. Right. And uh, yep. I think they'll live with having two to three catchers on the roster for now, because I mean, where, what are the holes right now? I guess it would be a left-handed bat. Maybe, yep. maybe some relief pitching, dare I say, right. To give, take the burden off of some of these other guys like Simber and Richards and, and Garcia. So if that's the case, do you really want to give up Kirk for someone who is only going to pitch every couple of days or, Someone who, you know, you know what I mean? So I think the lefty bat is, I think, something there, but how many of those are, are up for sale around Major League Baseball in May, right? You might have to wait until closer to the trade deadline for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in terms of uh, Nate Pearson, uh, just talking about pitching and relief pitching, yeah. um, I haven't heard too much about how he's doing in his recovery. Anything that you're aware of that would bring a little bit of hope in terms of his rehabilitation back into, into the team? Yeah, Ben, uh, ben Nicholson-Smith actually yesterday was telling me that he is uh, down, I think, in Buffalo throwing some bullpen sessions. So he's getting the rehab bullpen sessions in. And uh, the hope is that I think in the next couple of weeks, they're going to make a decision about whether, like maybe what the timeline will be to bring him back up to the majors. Because I think from what I've heard, the goal is still for him to be a starter eventually. I think they, the organization and he himself, I think, still is viewed as a starter. So that'll be interesting to see where he fits in. Cause I think all five starters right now are playing pretty well. Even Yusei Kikuchi is playing pretty well for you for being the fifth starter on this team at his age and with the injury history, actually, I thought going five innings, not a lot of hard or not a lot of, uh, not a lot of swing and misses yesterday. He allowed some, some hard contact yesterday, but at the same time, you know, I wonder what Pearson's role is vis-a-vis -vis the starting rotation, but if he comes in and is a, a bulk reliever right away, Hey, I mean, that that'll look pretty good for a guy who can throw a hundred. It's just, Hey, I've never had mono, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't sound pleasant. I'll say that. So I, I understand why they're being cautious with him, but I, as I understand, we, we will see Pearson definitely before the all-star break and maybe before even mid June at this rate. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish him well, cause he's had the, the, the worst luck in terms of injuries and yeah. you know, the, the expectation that was on his shoulders when he first got caught up, uh, very similar, of course, to Alec Manoa, and um, their storylines have been very, very, very different. Just, just thinking about pitching, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on what happened with Alec last week when he came through eight innings and um, had a moment with with Charlie in the dugout. Right decision, yeah. wrong decision. How much does a complete game these days mean? Because the stats are way down from where they used to be historically. Um, the way baseball is managed is clearly very, very different. 
where does that sit for a for a player who wants to go for a perhaps a personal record versus the bigger picture for the team and and getting a a win in the win column so i guess when he came out of the game he was at 83 pitches i believe right and so i totally get it i get i 1000 understand manoa being fired up because from from what we understand of manoa in his relatively young career that's the kind of guy he is right he is a competitor he is fiery he uh, i mean def- definitely leads by example but i think he also he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve which i think a lot which endears him i think to a lot of people fans and, and the media so the, i totally get that i have no issue personally with him going to Charlie Montoya or to Pete Walker or kind of stomping around the dugout a little bit, because I mean, if, if Max Scherzer did that, or if I don't know, Garrett Cole did that or something like that, I don't, you know, Justin Verlander, I don't think too many people would have an issue with it because those guys are kind of known for being insane competitors. I I get the feeling people kind of like, ah, he needs to be a little more respectful just because he's a young guy and there are some vets in that clubhouse. And we did see Lourdes go over there and talk to him, put his hand around his shoulder, trying to calm him down. Springer talking to him a little bit, trying to calm him down as well. So I I personally, though, I have no problem with that. Um, But how I I do understand wanting to get him back out there for the complete game, because how long has it been since we've seen a complete game? Was it Stroman, like a couple of maybe five or six years ago it feels like and like that feels like it's another world essentially in terms of how you were talking about it how baseball is managed these days and bullpens are deployed but Jordan Romano is just I do think he is at worst maybe the second best closer in baseball maybe behind Taylor Rogers let's say with San Diego but dare I say Romano is not the kind of guy you want coming in with a guy on first or a guy on second, and he's constantly having to look back behind him to check there. I think the fastball has decreased a little bit for Romano this year. So I, I think you'd rather, if you really need to eke out a win and gosh, the blue Jays needed a win (laughs) start the series against the reds. I think you just, you need to take all chance as much out of it as possible and give Romano a clean inning. And, I think it it salved. It was a salve a little bit that he came in and just shut down the Reds right away. There was and so they didn't open the door for hey maybe Manoa should have gone back out there. But um, yeah. I do get it though. I would have my my like caveman baseball brain wants to see more <laughs> uh, complete games and you know I want to see Manoa throw 110 pitches and so on. But I'm, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah, because there was a there was a situation and I can't remember who it was against for Gosman earlier in the season where he went into the ninth. In the it. Red Sox, I think. I think it was I the th- Red Sox. It was the Red Sox, yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I recall rightly, somebody did get on base in that inning. And then, of course, then Romano had to come into a into that situation that you're explaining. I just, I just thought it was interesting, having gone through the Gosman's storyline, I wonder whether that shaped some of that discussion around the end of the eighth inning in terms of we don't want to see that happen again. Um, particularly, I suppose, now with Romano having not been very well over the last week or so. Uh, and and not got quite his stuff as as he had at the beginning of the season. Do, do, I think you're think... right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I I, I dare say because when Gosman came, I think the game was at Fenway because he came in for the I guess it was the bottom of the ninth inning, and then a guy got on base, and he it was the very first base runner of the bottom of the ninth, and he got he got yanked right away, straight away, right? yeah. Yeah. And he was, I think he had, I think he had, was already around a hundred pitches, maybe even over a hundred pitches at that time. So I, I don't think anyone really had any issue with him getting yanked, but I think you're right. I think the issue of what happens if a brace runner gets on base, they were only up three, one at the time. So do you really want to, you know, screw around with that? And, and, and Hey, I mean, I, I get the other half of it too, because Manoa, I think the fastball was still topping out at 96, 97 miles an hour. So it's not like he looked 
all that fatigued. So I, mm-hmm. I get sending it back out. Maybe you give him one base runner, but again, I feel like, like you said, with the, with the GI illness for Romano, do you really want to be inconveniencing him at all? I think probably not at this point in the season where you really need to, because like, man, Steve, can you imagine what the conversation would have been? Had they dropped <laughs> two out of three against the Cincinnati Reds, we would be having yeah. a completely different conversation yeah. about this team after that. And I mean, even after they lost the series finale with, and it, you know, it was kind of cool. I, I freely admit as a Toronto boy to see Joey Votto get the game winning home run as another sure. Toronto boy, but at the end of the day, you want to see the Blue Jays sweep the Reds, right? That's what you want. So, well, they can't. Uh, the converse, yeah, yeah. They can, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They, they can't buy a sweep at the moment. It, it yeah. seems to be every, every series think, oh, this is the one, this is the one, and no, it's not the one. It's just, uh, it's just. I guess that's the nature of baseball. It's a long, yeah. it's a long season, isn't it? And uh, where you think something should be fairly straightforward, actually is is never going to be as easy as it appears perhaps perhaps on paper so in terms of your own enthusiasm and excitement for you know the rest of the season how how full or how empty is your glass right now where are you where are you sitting for for the jays i think there's probably unless something catastrophic happens i think there is pretty much no way they're going to miss the playoffs i i would think uh, especially with expanded playoffs this year, right? I, I would I would have said that I think even if there weren't any expanded playoffs and the wild the wild card numbers remained the same, but now that there's a third wild card, I almost yeah. feel like uh, unless everyone gets injured at the same time and goes on the IL and we watch the Bisons come up and for the, and play for the Jays at some point, <laughs> I think uh, there's pretty much no way they're going to make miss the playoffs. Um, how well they do in the playoffs, I think if the playoffs were to end today. I think we would see the the Jays play the winner of the AL Central, I think is where it would stand, or at least that's where it stood a couple of days ago. And if that's the case, I like their chances. I do. I mean, the Jays are, if it ends up, if it means they have to play, I don't know, the White Sox or something in a, in a three-game mm. series, I think I would, I would take the Blue Jays. Maybe that's a homer take, but I think I would still. Um, I, you know, the beating the Yankees is always going to be tough, but even they're even better than I thought they would be this season. Um, particularly the bullpen. Uh, a lot of those yeah. guys like Michael King and Clay Holmes, and a lot of them have been a lot better than Jonathan Loisica still being as good as he was last year. You know, a lot of them being better or, or as good or better than they were in, in 2021 makes for a difficult out, no matter when you play the, the Yankees. And now Aaron Judge, dare I say, is is playing like the AL MVP, at least right now through through two months of the season. He is up there, but we'll see if that uh, doesn't tail off by the end of the season. But, yeah. I, I you know, if the, if the Jays finish a couple games back of the Yankees and they win their first wildcard matchup, I think that's not a bad that's not a bad result. But at the same yeah. time. You had said this earlier, Steve, that the expectations for this team were sky high. And I think Fangraphs had the uh, the division winner as the Blue Jays prior to the season, over 100 wins and so on. So by that metric, I guess it is a bit of a disappointment. But at the same time, yeah. I still think this team, there's still so much baseball left to be played. I know people despise herring. It's early, but <laughs> there's still so much more of the summer. And this team typically doesn't get hot. On, even with these current iteration of the players, they typically don't get hot until around or after the all-star break anyway so i'm going to reserve my total judgment until we get past see if there are any trades to be made as well because i think ross atkins is probably not done improving this team as well yeah yeah i was was just going to touch on the yankees you still mentioned it mentioned it there do do you think we could catch them or do you feel that even at this stage that they are probably 
I know it's only like what is it seven seven games behind or something like that. Uh, which you know, if they get a good run and the Yankees have a bit of loss of form, it's very very quick to switch that around. Uh, do, do you feel the Jays have got that in them this year to to come back? I think they do. I think they I, they're definitely like when we get to August and maybe September. Um, and we're, and we're circling because when we get to that point of the season, what we all like to do is you're, cir- you're circling the games in the calendar. Okay. Well, if they beat, if they win three of these four games and if they win the, two of these three games, right. And, yeah. and they, they can, and that the Yankees get beat by the Rays and also maybe get beat by the Dodgers a couple of times. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of doing all of those, that kind of mental math for the rest of the season. But I think come the end of August, beginning of September, we will, be viewing the Jays and Yankees as a real dogfight. I think the the early season woes will probably have gone by. And also the Yankees playing, getting to 32 wins or whatever it was last night. I don't know how sustainable that is for mm. any team, right? I mean, they are, a, they are a very good team. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, the Dodgers are not going to win at that pace. The Padres are not going to win at that pace. The Astros and other good teams around major, the Rays, they're not going to win at that pace for the entire season, right? So mm. I, I think come... Again, I mean, look, John Carlos Stanton had to go on the IL. We've seen Aroldis Chapman take a step back this year. A judge is probably not going to hit. I mean, he has, what, 17 home runs? He's probably not going to hit a home run every other day for the rest of the season, um, especially at his age. I think he's, what, 30 this year? So, I don't know. I, I They're a very good team. I'm not trying to take away from them at all. But at the same time, I think come... Yeah, August, September, things will probably regress for them. And uh, can I say positively regress for the Blue Jays? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I guess the Red Sox also have been a little bit of a surprise in terms of their start, although they've had a good run recently and are starting to sort of claw their way back. And Baltimore themselves actually have probably been performing better than anybody anticipated. I think it only was it yesterday, the day before, they're only sort of three or four games behind behind the Jays, but I think things will settle down. Um, and, and hopefully the Jays will be in amongst the mix. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to get a divisional title again. I'd love to see that happen, but if that doesn't happen, as you say, wild card is, is definitely, definitely what we're looking for. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Uh, it's great to get your insight. Um, can you just give us a little bit of um, where people can find you just in case they're not aware of all your social bits and pieces, that would be really cool. Just as we end up. Sure. Yeah. My, uh, my Twitter is at S N S A L L I, which is where I post most of my stuff anyways. And yeah, you can also find me on sportsnet.ca and uh, that's where I post some of my, my articles as well. There might be, I think Ben was talking about uh, Ben Nicholson Smith was talking about maybe some fantasy baseball articles coming out a little later on this summer. So uh, we'll see, cause I do live in the world of fantasy sports, but I, but yeah, Steve, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, no, absolute joy to to chat to you and to as i say to get your insight on all things blue jays really thankful for your time and uh, we wish you well and uh, look forward to hearing you on the airwaves and uh, hearing all that you've got to say so thanks for your time absolutely steve anytime cheers the red white and blue jays podcast is a production of blue jays fans uk if you've got a blue jays story to share let us know Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.